It doesn't get any better than that, Terry. That's uh, that's what I would call on-duty music. That music is medieval uh, Gregorian chant from the uh, from the very uh, brave crusaders that protected Holy Mother Church for 800 years from Islamic invasion, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. Same thing, protect Holy Mother Church right now, Terry, from barbarians. I'm 10-8, Terry. I'm on uh, duty. What about 10 -8, you? 10-8, buddy. Okay, good. I'm on duty, too, Jess, and... Uh, Tell you what, today's show is going to be a wake-up for America. Yeah, we're going to be hearing from a clinical lab scientist talking about COVID-19. It's going to be fascinating. We're also going to talk a little bit about what the Catholic Church has taught regarding the vaccine. If you decide to get the poke, uh, what does the church say you need to do? I think people are going to be shocked when I tell you that. Also, uh, last thing I want to just mention, too, is that the pandemic regarding uh, do doctors who are leaving the profession of being a doctor. That's a, a major problem. And then we're going to end up with the St. Thomas Aquinas Five Remedies Against Sadness. Because I got to tell you, Jess, right now, you look out at the world, the secular world, they're paranoid about life. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm very confident about life. And it's not because of the way I part my hair. It's because I put my faith in Jesus Christ, not the world. So let's get into this. But before we do it, we always come up with our soul food. And John, John 6 is going to be, what a great day to have John 6 read to us in regards to supernatural bread. Jesse, would you share the good news with us, please? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him. Because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Mm -hmm. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 days wages worth of food would not be enough mm. for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus, uh, Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining. By the way, that's exactly where we get the mass from right there. Man. And uh, and also and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to the disciples, Gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled the twelve wicker baskets with fragments for the five barley loaves that had been more that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, or the miracle, it's a Greek word, they said, this is truly the prophet, the one who has come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in today's gospel, you have this vast crowd of Jewish people following our Lord Jesus Christ. They, they kind of think he's the Messiah. And then they see him perform a miracle. 
I mean, they see him performing, you know, healing the sick. Then he feeds this vast amount of people with bread and fish. And after that, they said, wow, this is the guy that's going to beat up the, the Romans for us. Let's make him a king. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. He has to, you know, he has to hide from them because this is not his mission. He says, but he withdrew to the mountain alone. He had to leave them because he's not here for political reasons. He's here to save our soul. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong with the Jewish people. What they wanted was something good. They wanted to, you know, Roman oppression to be thrown off. And, you know, they also wanted the sick to be cured. And those are those are noble things. But Jesus Christ, his kingship is more of a social kingship, the kingship in the human heart, the king of nations. So Jesus rejected their, their earthly desires. They just saw him as somebody to, uh, you know, just to make a miracle worker to give us food, save us from being hungry and somebody to throw off Roman oppression. So there's, their motives were selfish, but Jesus showed them his miracles because he wanted to show them something greater. He wanted to show them, I am here to save your soul by giving you in the future the greatest miracle that I will perform. I will make bread and wine into my body and blood, and that will be for your personal gain. And so, Jesus Christ, the ultimate question we have to ask ourselves, uh, do we reduce Christ to just some political Messiah King to win wars for us against oppressors? Or do we want our soul to be saved? Terry, I'll take the latter. I agree with you, Jesse. I look at it this way. The world is offering us bread, you know, money, okay? You want entitlements? You can get entitlements from the government, but that all goes away. The church is offering the bread of life, the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life that will give you heaven. Because when you eat and drink his blood, there's a promise with that salvation so i just say either take a or b and you know that's jesse you know life is pretty simple for me i'm not a phd guy i'm not a highly educated person but i see things in black and white i don't see gray and and right here the eucharist is the source and summit of the faith so jesus is teaching us don't work for bread that will only last for a while work for eternal life and i think that Sometimes in our world right now, we're acting like this is the only thing we have is our 60 or 80 or 90 years on planet Earth, and then we dissolve and we're nothing. You know what? That's a lie. Terry, you make a good point there because Rome was already giving people free food. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and circuses, bread and circus. So Jesus is saying, I'm not here to compete with nope. Rome. They, you could already get free food from them, free bread from them. Mm-hmm. I'm, heavy, I'm here to give you something that that pagan Rome can't give you, and that's supernatural bread, my body and blood. Terry, also today's uh, today's psalm is, is it's really uh-huh. uplifting. Yeah, it really, yeah. yeah, Psalm 27 is one of, one of those psalms that really picks you up. Look at what it says here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? Say that all day long. Don't fear COVID-19. Nope. Don't fear the Wuhan virus. Don't fear, you know, uh, the globalists, the communists. No, no, right. no. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I seek to do is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Terry. Amen, Jesse. And that's why yesterday, one of the great saints, St. Thomas More, you quoted him. He said, Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. 
That's right. So just keep yeah. that in mind. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Yes, this is a quickie. He says, people become more united in sorrow than in pleasure. Mm-hmm. That kind of ties into what we did the other show regarding John Horvath's article, you know, about suffering. Do you realize that, Jesse, if you go through, I've, I've been this on the pro-life side where I got arrested at a clinic. My, I got some close friends that we went to jail together, okay, because we had some suffering to do. And I think that really is true when Bishop Sheen says people become more united in sorrow than in pleasure. Mm. Terry, I got a praise report. It's always good to hear from people that listen to us or, yeah. or our lectures. Sure. Uh, somebody just emailed me and said, uh, several weeks ago, my husband and I attended one of your Lenten talks at a local parish. Mm-hmm. After your talk, I went to confession. Awesome. It, had, it has been years. Praise God. Because I wanted my prayers to be more effective, like you told us. Mm-hmm. And I loved your examination of conscience talk that you <laughs> gave. She says, my Catholic faith was deep, and after attending your parish mission... She says, I've been working, I've been praying for my daughter-in-law for years, and we had an Easter miracle, Jesse. After sunrise mass on Easter Sunday, I showed my daughter-in-law, who's a Seventh-day Adventist, your examination of conscience from your book, Lord, Prepare My Hands for Battle. And guess what? What? It started hours of conversation about Catholicism. Five days later, my daughter-in-law told us she's decided to become Catholic. She says, thank you for your faithfulness and for being part of this Easter miracle in my family. Let's say a prayer of thanksgiving. Jesse, I love those stories. We give thee thanks, almighty, all merciful, and all loving God for all the blessings that we have received from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. And Jesse, that's using a knucklehead like you. Okay, that's somebody you're telling not about Jess Romero. You're telling him about the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's powerful, Jesse, that story. And that should be going on over and over again in our culture. That's what Jesse. But that's the power. That's the power of truth. All you do it's like St. Augustine said, and Scott Hahn quotes it. Yeah. The Catholic faith is like a lion. Just let it out of its cage and it defends itself. That's all we do on this network. Yeah. Let the lion out. And can I tell you, folks? Don't uh, the church is like a great ship taking us through life. But I want to give you one little comment about that. <laughs> Don't look in the engine room, okay? <laughs> because the people who are running the church, you'd think it, on a natural level it'd all fall apart. Just look. Right. But you know what? It's got a supernatural aspect. So God is still in charge of his church, even when we men and women inside screw it up. That's all I want to say, Jess. Terry, also, this is the month of the Holy Eucharist, the month of April. Maybe yeah. you could, could make a commitment to go to Mass a little oh, yeah. more often. Awesome. Uh, spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe start, uh, if you can't go to Mass for whatever reason, do your spiritual communion prayers every day and receive Jesus Christ into your heart mystically. You got it. When we come back, a clinical lab scientist talks about COVID-19. Wait till you hear what he has to say about it. Now, we want to also just remind everybody that... We try to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything about it, what we say, we want the truth about everything. And that's what we're trying to figure right now regarding the crisis in America. We'll be back with more to share with the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-526. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. This story will restore your faith in some scientist. (laughs) 
there's a scientist uh, that wrote this letter. His name is uh, Dr. It's a, he's a clinical lab scientist, Joe Rizzoli. He says, I'm a clinical lab scientist. He says, COVID-19 is fake. Wake up, America. I'm a clinical lab scientist, Dr. Joe Rizzoli. I have a PhD in virology and and immunology. I'm a clinical lab scientist and have tested 1,500 supposed positive COVID-19 samples collected here in Southern California. When my lab team and I did the testing through Koch's postulates and observation under a scanning electron microscope, we found no COVID-19 in any of the 1,500 samples. What we found was that all of the 1,500 samples were mostly influenza A, and some were influenza B, but not a single case of COVID. And we did not use the, the, the BS-PCR test. We then sent the remainder of the samples to Stanford, Cornell, and a few of the University of California labs, and they found the same results as we did. No COVID. They found influenza A and B. All of us then spoke to the CDC and asked for viable samples of COVID, which CDC said they could not provide as they did not have any samples. We have now come to the firm conclusion through all our research and lab work that the COVID-19 was imaginary and fictitious. The flu was called COVID, and most of the 225,000 dead were dead through comorbidities such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, emphysema, etc. And they then got the flu, which further weakened their immune system, and they died. I have yet to find a single viable sample of COVID-19 to work with. We, at the seven universities that did the lab test on these 1,500 samples, are now suing the CDC for COVID-19 fraud. The CDC has yet to send us a single viable, isolated, and purified sample of COVID-19. If they can't or won't send us a viable sample, I say there is no COVID-19. It is fictitious. The four four research papers that do describe the genomic extracts of the COVID-19 virus never were successful in isolating and purifying the samples. All the four papers written on COVID-19 only describe small bits Uh, small bits of RNA, which were only 37 to 40 base pairs long, which is not a virus. A viral genome is typically 30,000 to 40,000 base pairs. That's way over my head. Way over mine. (laughs) Yeah. With as bad as COVID is supposed to be all over the place, how come no one in any lab worldwide has ever isolated and purified this virus in its entirety? Great question. That's because they've never really found the virus. All they've ever found was small pieces of RNA, which were never identified as the virus anyway. So the doctor ends by saying, so what we're dealing with is just another flu strain like every year. COVID-19 does not exist and is fictitious. He ends by saying, I believe China and the globalists, I've been saying this for a year, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I'm nowhere near a dog. I've been saying this for a year. He says, 
I'm glad a virologist is saying this, what Jess Romero's been saying for over a year. He says, I believe China and the globalists orchestrated this COVID hoax, the flu disguised as a novel virus to bring in global tyranny and a worldwide police totalitarian surveillance state. And this plot included massive election fraud to overthrow Trump. Hear, hear. A doctor after my own heart, Terry. And Jesse, just so you know, we're not on YouTube or we wouldn't be broadcasting right now because they wouldn't let us say that. Oh, they wouldn't let it. No, no, absolutely. And so we were off for two weeks. Just I want everybody to know. You we're can, on YouTube jail. Yeah, well, but we you can yeah. still go to Facebook Live and listen to us and watch us there. But I want to just mention that I, you know, the, the analogy there, emperor has no clothes on. Uh, this is what's happening. They've been manipulating us for a long time. And I just want to say that uh, people can actually watch this on on the internet. There's doctor, uh, a gentleman reading this uh, article, but uh, here's here's the big point I'm making. I'm not. I, what's interesting is when you look at deaths, total deaths, nobody died from the flu last year. Isn't that interesting? They don't have any record of it. So why you know we had thirty thousand people die from the flu last year, the year before, and now with COVID nineteen. It takes it away. So there's a lot of red flags that come up right now. And I just think it's, it's, it's reasonable for us to ask the question, what is actually going on here? Why is it that we're being manipulated to think that uh, this COVID-19 uh, cannot be handled when 99.7% of the people who get the virus survive? And, we're re- and you know, 10,000 young people die every month because of the food shortages that this has brought on. Uh, we've got all kinds of statistics of people dying because of not going to the doctor. There's more people dying from what we call collateral damage than from the virus. So I think it's great that the doctor has brought this up. And I think we've got some already people calling right now. We've got Anthony calling in to jo- join in on the conversation. Anthony, welcome to the... T- oh, Armando. I'm sorry. Anthony's the... Armando from San Diego calling in. Armando, what can I... Uh, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Terry. Appreciate your show. It's uh, great. I just want to piggyback on what Jesse was saying. Um, my background is uh, my undergraduate was pre-med, yep. and some of the curriculum for general education for pre-med is microbiology. Mm-hmm. So because I had to study these classes, I know the difference on the viruses, uh, bacteria, mm-hmm. and from my studies, once again, this was back in the 80s, um, a virus, there is no vaccine for a virus because it mutates. Mm-hmm. So they do not have a virus for um, uh, a vaccine for a virus for that same, for that exact reason, it mutates. I see. So basically what Jesse was saying, that it is a flu. So I would categorize this as a super flu. Mm-hmm. And not to be indifferent to victims of yeah. the coronavirus. I had an uncle that recently died yeah. of coronavirus mm-hmm. in uh, in the San Diego area. And what happened to him is for 20 years, he had underlining medical conditions. I bet. So I'm not indifferent towards yeah, victims of, sure. of people who have fallen due to the coronavirus. And that's just my statement. I just want yeah. to thank you for having me on. All right, Great I'm statement. Gonna, yeah, yeah, that just confirms. And, you know, I want to also just say this, because a lot of our family members and friends have actually taken the the uh, vaccine 
And I want everybody to understand, Jesse and, and, and uh, Amando and others that are listening, that the, there's a great article. We're not going to get to it, but it's a Dominican priest who's actually a scientist. Dominican, we'll do it Monday or next uh, weekend. Maybe Tuesday, but I just want to tease everybody to remember this, that the use of the morality-tainted vaccines is only acceptable only if it is necessary and there's no other alternative and a person protests their production working to avoid the sin of scandal. This is something that's been hidden in through the CDC uh, the, uh, from, from our church's teaching. And even at the highest levels, I have to say, they don't bring this up. They just say you have a moral obligation to get the vaccine. No, we don't. We do not have that moral obligation. I take issue with that. And I think this Dominican priest, when we play it on Tuesday, uh, we talk about this article. He demonstrates how this vaccine has been taken in a very, very sad way from aborted babies, not 50 years ago, but recently. And this is a mind-boggling article. We'll tell, talk more about it. But the bottom line here, Jesse, is that we have uh, a situation coming up where people are so scared that they're being manipulated and they're doing things that are actually causing more damage than the uh, COVID-19 virus. Yeah, Terry, and I'll That's tell you, this, this is very sad because uh, as Catholics, mm -hmm. we're supposed to listen to the gospel says, uh, you know, do not be afraid of those that can kill the body. That's what but the Bible kill, says. Be afraid only of God who can kill the soul. Yeah, that's true. You know, a, a, lot, of our, a lot of our church leaders are acting, and I'm going to quote a book by Matt Walsh, a young Catholic that works for Daily Wire. It's called A Church of Cowards, A Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians. Yeah, uh, Matt, I agree with Matt Walsh. Most of our church leaders are acting like a bunch of cowards in the face of this virus. Mm -hmm. Uh we're supposed to put our trust in Jesus, not on Fauci. Okay? Right, exactly. That's the message of the Holy Bible and the message of the Catholic faith. And not worry about what can kill the body. Guess what? Memo, we're all going to die, 100% of us. We as Catholics are only to fear God who can kill the soul. And make sure we live and die in a state of grace. And don't, lead these, don't let these globalist communists, Bill Gates, Soros... Deep state people, don't let them scare us into compromising our Catholic faith and inject ourselves with uh, with uh, injections that have been uh, you know experimented with or tainted with uh, aborted fetal stem cells. Terry, personally, yes, I, I don't trust anything that Bill Gates is involved. In. Why would you, Jesse? Look what he I did in Africa. I don't trust the man one iota. He claims to be an atheist. Yeah. Uh, he has contempt for the Catholic faith. He's also, him and his father are also committed eugenicists. Yes. They want to population. reduce the population of planet exactly. Earth. And so I believe, just like this doctor said, this virologist with all these degrees, I believe that this whole thing has been orchestrated by the Chinese communists, the Democrats, Bill Gates, Soros, and many other globalists. Why? Again, they're fascinated with depopulating planet Earth. They're fascinated with death. And you know who else was fascinated with death? The devil. Yep. He's called a murderer and a liar from the very beginning. And so a a as a Catholic, uh, I'm just going to just tell you, every single one of us has the day that we're going to die. It's already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's live our faith 
to the fullest, as it says in John chapter 10, live your life, uh, you know, uh, in your faith to the abundance. And remember that our life living in a state of grace is in the palm of God's hands, not Fauci or anybody else. Well said, Jesse. And that's what we need to be doing. And again, when we come back from the break, we'll talk more about this issue. Also, I just want to remind you the men's conference coming up June 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel with Jess Romero. Bishop Joseph Strickland will be coming through a pre-recorded video for our men's conference. Eddie Chavez will be there to talk about suffering. That's on the 12th. You can register by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Also, the evangelization for the third millennial comes up on May 15th. How to Show Your Faith with Anyone. I'll be doing that on the 15th. It's free. So check us out on our website. We'll come back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show with Virgin Most Powerful. I like to say we're too blessed to be stressed. Yeah, we're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, yes, Romero, Terry Barber, yeah, we'd be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ, not in this world. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Does this surprise you that many people are dying of depression and loneliness? That's what we're suffering from. We're suffering from the plague of rampant loneliness. In fact, the pandemic has left many people lonelier and even more isolated than before. <clears throat> There's a good article by Richard Del Orfono, and he talks about watching lonely people in the streets, homeless people. But this is basically something that's going on in society all over as well. He says, On the first warm day of spring, some vagrants came out of their nooks and hideaways to congregate in the, local park, in the local park for fellowship, several men, old and young, sat together at a stone picnic table chatting, eating, and drinking beer or cheap wine early in the day. During the frigid winter, shivering alone under cardboards or cheap tents, some guys used cheap government-supplied cell phones to keep them company. They'd watch a movie trailer, call a relative or friend, scroll a news media outlet for news that isn't new anymore. Same old story with different names, dates, and locations. News reports can get macabre and threatening with millions of people dying from COVID and senseless mass shootings in schools and malls. That's why social media actually can make us all feel lonelier and even more isolated, with 10 times worsening mental health, anger, and anxiety issues, according to recent reports. During the year-long pandemic, the country, the, the county the library has been closed. So these homeless people watch movies on computers. The senior center across the street also closed, had free lunches and a soft sofa to sit on, sometimes a game of pool or ping pong. Its, its lounge, however, had puzzles and books to read. It used to have an evening men's chorus singing barbershop tunes. AA meetings next door haven't gathered for over a year. There's nothing for these homeless men to do but sink into a deepening depression from loneliness. By the way, none of us was ever meant to live by ourselves. No man is an island, says Fulton Sheen. We're all meant to live 
as a communion in communion with other persons. We call that in Catholicism solidarity. That's why a man is called, for example, a man is called either to give themselves over in the sacrament of marriage or give themselves over in the sacrament of holy orders. Either you're married to the church or you're married to a woman. That's where we find, uh, that's where we find uh, our, our, the way we live out our vocation and the meaning and purpose of life. It's in communion with other persons. The article says, I was reminded of a conversation from a few months back with a fidgety former football player, another victim of loneliness. He clung to a bottle of Corona beer to numb his pain. Through his estranged wife and daughter, lived just around the corner, I said that I'd lived alone for 50 years. In a slurred voice, he asked me if I had ever gotten lonely. I told him, sometimes lonesome, but not the desperate loneliness of past years. That all changed for me during my 10-year pilgrimage, searching for God in all the wrong places except here in my heart. He seemed to perk up for a while as if he saw some hope, then sank back into a stupor. It was getting dark with a cold drizzle, so I had to leave him talking to himself or to some pal he imagined was sitting beside him. In the morning, he was found dead of an apparent heart attack, laying stiff on the grass, hugging that beer bottle as his comforter and companion. The next day, I grieved with his family. From that experience, it dawned on me that humankind has a profound horror of, alo- of aloneness. Since Adam's first yearning for Eve, we have sought God in the realm of our five carnal senses. We seek Him in social gatherings of all kinds, in fun parties with food and drink, in games and sports, in novels and movies. But only God can satisfy that deep restlessness, that God-shaped hole in the heart. St. Augustine states it well. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The 19th century um, novelist Balzac, he once wrote in his book, The Inventor's Suffering, he says, quote, And of all kinds of aloneness, moral aloneness is the most terrible. The first thought of man, be he a leper or a prisoner, a sinner or an invalid, is to have a companion of his fate. In order to satisfy this drive, which is, which is life itself, he applies all his strength and all his power and energy to achieve this during his whole life. You know, when you really think about it, we're never truly alone. If you're a person of faith, you know who's always with us? The Lord is always with us. Who's always with us if you're a person of faith? Our Lady. She's always with us. Who's alone? Who, who are you with if you're a person of faith? Your guardian angel is always with us. And, and as a Catholic, we are called in the spiritual works of mercy... We're called to visit the lonely. Do you know anybody lonely out there? At the end of our life, our Lord will ask us, 
he's going to ask us, when I was lonely, you visited me. When I was in prison, you visited me. That's why as a Catholic, especially right now, people that know, you, those that know their faith, we should reach out to those people that are weak in faith. Call them up. Text them. Visit them. Remind them that no matter what happens, Jesus is in charge. Yes, our Lord is in charge. And remind them that God loves them and that God is with them always. The Lord promises us, I am with you always until the end of time. What a beautiful thought. I am with you always until the end of time. But I will tell you where a lot of this loneliness comes from is that we're running away from God as a country, as a society, as people. Instead of running to God, God is the answer, not the problem. God is the solution, <laughs> not the illness. And I'll tell you why there's a lot of people that do feel lonely and they do feel confused and they do feel sad. One of the things that makes people lonely and feel sad and depressed and stressed out is people that are constantly connecting to social media. This has been studied by those in the world of medicine. People that are always connecting to social media seem to have higher rates of depression. Why? Because people are comparing themselves to other people. And I'll be honest with you, most, most people just exaggerate. Look at my new house. Look at my new car. Look at my new this. Look at my new that. Social media becomes one big, big brag fest. Because people aren't putting down on social media things like, yeah, I have a 21-year-old son that's got, uh, you know, Down syndrome that, uh, you know, defecates on his pants and I have to change him three times a day. They don't talk about those things. Yeah, oh, my husband's getting dementia. They don't talk about those things. They put all the phony stuff out there. But as a Catholic, I'll tell you how people become lonely when you just put your hope in this world. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the promises and the person of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that again. Our hope is in the promises and in the person of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. If you put your hope and promises in the world, you're always going to be lonely. And this is why as the Catholic, one of the principles of Catholicism is solidarity. For you Catholic men, join the Knights of Columbus. If you're complaining about your Knights chapter, make it better. Make it more Catholic. Make it more evangelical. Okay. Uh, there's always things to join up as a Catholic. Okay. Legion of Mary, uh, you know, the Acts uh, movement, uh, that man is you, Bible studies. There's, there's all kinds of things for Catholic men and women to join up 
with like-minded Catholics so that you don't feel lonely. Terry, comments well, about I, I think what you're saying makes total sense. I'm, I'm sorry, I had to step out because of another funeral that's going on at our chapel. But just uh, the idea of uh, being lonely, think about uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. You know how many people, St. John Vianney used to say, what do you, he said, well, guy, what do you do when you're in there? I look at him and he looks at me. I think of the beauty of our Catholic faith and just the holy hour of power that Fulton Sheen did for 60 straight years, a daily holy hour in, pre- in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I always tell people, I get lots of calls because I give my cell number out, and a lot of people tell me they're lonely, and I always say delve into the Bible, delve into time before the Blessed Sacrament, and uh, take Our Lady, take St. Joseph as your spiritual father. The Church has so many remedies to all the challenges of our world today. But I have to be honest with you, Jess, sometimes it's hard to find him in our church. And that's just because right now we have a lack of catechesis, a lack of telling people the truths of the faith. And sometimes the church is being more, they're, they're focused more on our, your mental health or your physical health when we should be focusing it on our spiritual health. So it sounds like I'm being a little um, critical. I'm just following what Bishop Joseph Strickland has told me. He said, we need to get back into the business of souls. So we'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse show. Again, go to our website, download our free app. That's how you can hear us anytime, anywhere. It's absolutely free. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And uh, we'll be back with more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So how do we fight sadness? Well, let's go to the angelic <laughs> I love it. St. Thomas. And he gives us five simple remedies yep. on how we could fight sadness. He does. Very, very short, but very pithy. And uh, I think you'll find them very practical. The first thing he says, he says, contemplate truth. The contemplation of truth. This is very important. Contemplation is, uh, you know, the highest form of prayer. And uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says, contemplate truth. What does that mean? Contemplate. Because contemplation, he actually says that it brings us into, into God's sweetness. Contemplation decreases sadness. Contemplation gives us rest from the distraction of the senses. Concentration, it blesses us with the ability to perceive more keenly interior inspirations from God. Contemplation increases and strengthens and directs our affections towards God. So that's point number one. Contemplate truth as the first remedy against sadness. Terry? Number two, the second remedy is weeping. St. Thomas says, a hurting thing hurts yet more if we keep it shut up because the soul is more intent on it, whereas if it be allowed to escape, the soul's intention is dispersed, as it were, in the outward things, so that the inward soul sorrow is lessened. Our melancholy gets worse if we have no way to give vent to our sorrows. Weeping is a soul's way to release a sorrow that cannot become, well, can become paralyzing. Jesus, too, wept. And as Pope Francis said, that certain truths in life can only be seen 
with eyes cleansed by tears. So I invite each one of you to learn to weep in appropriate ways. Yeah, that's why uh, uh, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. (laughs) Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Here's uh, something else that St. Thomas Aquinas, here's talk about a practical, practical one. He says the third thing that we should do is nap and take a shower. Yeah, I love that. That's practical. It's very simple. I mean, come on. If you're sad, like maybe you're you're just physically exhausted, and it's and, and so your your emotions are are at the brink. You know, just go go to your bed and take a nap. Well, like wow, you wake up, you're energized, or take a good shower. Treat yourself to a good shower. Again, he says that that also that 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 those physical. That physical rest and shower, he says, it also relieves our soul. So, because remember, the, the soul and the body are united. And so, whatever feels good for the Mary St. Thomas also says that the soul acts through the body. So, what you do for your body also, it affects your soul. So, take a good nap and a shower. That's another, the third remedy on how to, uh, the, the remedy against sadness. And another, another one is the remedy against sadness, contemplating the truth. See, yeah. many times... I, that was the first one. That oh, sorry, I already got that yeah. one. I already, yeah. came in late on that one. Here, here's the point, Jesse, what I want to say about, about overcoming sadness. We have a world right now that is actually... There are people who want you to be scared. And in the Bible, is it 365 times? It says what, Jess? It says, do, do not, not be, be afraid. afraid. Okay? Why? Because the world is going to make you want to be afraid at every little thing in life... And you won't even go out of your house. I have friends, Jesse, right now that need to hear this, that they think that COVID-19 is like a boogeyman, that if you go outside, you're going to get it. And we got a phone call coming in. Okay, we'll take a call. But my point to you is we need to have our peace, and we can only find peace in Christ. Who do we have? Anthony online? Let me see if my computer's working here. We have somebody online, Jesse. Let's take him. Is it Anthony? Welcome to the... Oh, Dr. Sandoval, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Hey, how you been? I'm blessed by the Excellent. Best. Yeah, God Give bless us. Listen, guys, I'm listening to what you're talking about, and i got to tell you, as a doctor, you're right on the money. I mean, there's been studies that have been made about the relationship between loneliness mm-hmm. and cortisol levels in the body. Really? Cortisol levels go up when we're stressed, and it shows that the more stressed people are, the more they are lonely. So what you were talking about earlier, Jess, is right on the money. When people go on social media and they see these fake lives, you know, well, I don't say, shouldn't say fake. I should say these yeah. very small snippets of people's lives. They see one picture of, you know, this is my house, this is that. You're actually going to – it increases stress because it makes the people who see that feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm not living a life like somebody else. What am I doing wrong? It increases stress. It increases cortisol levels. And it increases loneliness. And what happens is a vicious cycle where you get in there yep. and all of a sudden you think you're going to see more pictures. You're going to think, oh, I'm going to make more connections. And that way I'll be less lonely. But the reality is the more you see that, the more you're going to stress yourself out, the more you're going to increase your cortisol, the more you're going to feel lonely. The only place we're going to find a true connection is with Jesus Christ and the Eucharist. Amen. That's the bottom line. And Dr. Sandoval, just a, a connection for those who don't know who you are. You have a show on Virgin Most Powerful every Thursday after the Terry and Jesse show. And you're actually making a challenge regarding the Holy Eucharist. Can you share a little bit of what you're doing? 
I am, and that's what really spoke to me. You know, for those of the listeners who don't know me, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I graduated from UCLA School of Medicine. I did my specialty in both psychiatry and family medicine at the University of, San, uh, University of California, San Diego, UCSD. The challenge I'm doing, and this speaks really to the heart, I started it last week. I'm doing this challenge where I'm telling people we're going to focus on uh, moral greatness. We're going to focus on moral excellence through the virtues of faith, hope, and love. I want to do a holy hour every week. For the first three weeks, you're going to focus on love. The next three weeks, you're going to focus on faith. Then three weeks of hope, and then three weeks of love. It's 12 weeks, just like any workout regimen, anything along those lines that tell you, hey, 12 weeks to a new body. I'm saying 12 weeks to a new soul, to a newfound peace where you're not going to be as lonely. I started it last week. I've been reading a little chapter from The Imitation of Christ every day, but I'm focusing on love for these three weeks. I got to tell you, it's been life changing already. I got to. I'm going to talk about it more in my show. But awesome. the results of peace and the results of understanding how Christ gets rid of our loneliness in the Eucharist, I got to tell you, it's been very, very profound and real. That's great. Dr. Sandoval, I have a book in my hand called My Daily Eucharist, compiled by Joan Carter McHugh. I got it from EWTN, and it says, for every day of the year, a saint talking about the Eucharist. So I want to recommend people, they can get that online, My Daily Eucharist compiled and edited by Joan Carter McHugh, and just has, it, has li- it has just beautiful uh, meditations about the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. And again, I don't want to repeat, but I'll do it. Fulton Sheen had 60 years of daily holy hours. So if you get a chance, yeah. even just make a visit, start making a practice to say hello to Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. And I would also add, Doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Talk to Jesus like you're talking to a friend and, and let him know your needs and your desires in life and your troubles and, and spill it all out in front of the Blessed Sacrament because the benefits are out of this world. That's exactly right. So this first week what I realized, and that was one of the things that touched me when I realized when I was doing my Holy Hour, mm-hmm. I wanted, I didn't feel like, I, this kind of came up, you know, as you're yeah. praying, different things come up. What came up is I kind of started realizing I didn't feel like God knew me. Which is weird, right? Because who's going to know it's better than God? Yeah. But what I realized, I have not been telling God about myself. I have not been telling him, hey, God, this is who I am. And then I expect that God's going to tell me the same thing. We're going to get to know each other. It's kind of like St. Augustine used to say, yeah. when I meet God, I'm going to ask, who are you and who am I? <laughs> you know, because really, that's really the conversation we want to have. It's like, God, I'm presenting myself to you. Yes. Who am I? You made me. I'm, I'm only going to know who I am through you. You know how people are trying to find themselves? And you're going to hear right now, you're going to be on the news about, you know, how health might come from transcendental meditation or other practices that are not Catholic. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would yeah. say, you know, if we're Catholic, we know that there's only one Christ and that's all we turn to. Exactly. And we get through Christ by meditating, yes, on the rosary, on the stations of the cross, on our Catholic tradition. That's where we're going to find our true health. And so when we get there, you have to talk to Christ like he is your friend, like he is somebody who knows you, who wants to get to know you, who actually knows you, but we don't realize that and who we want to get to know more. That's exactly what I was doing during the Holy Hour. God, you know, kind of felt God speaking to me like that, like, hey, tell me about you. And I felt no loneliness. The goal of this Holy Hour challenge for 12 weeks is ultimately to reach peace, because that's what the angel who appeared to the children in Fatima before Our Lady appeared to them, it was the angel of peace, and he told them to adore Christ in the Eucharist and say that we have faith, hope, and love. That's what I'm getting that from. Um, I sent my, my summary of why I'm doing this over to the office, so I hope that's posted. I believe it's on Facebook. Um, but if anybody wants to join that and reach peace, because you're going to hear a lot of things, and sometimes we hear from our own church that we should you know, consider New Age-type movements, and I would say put a halt to that. Yeah. We can only be 
Like if you're gonna, if Christ is the truth, then there is nothing else we need to turn to. Sign me up, Doctor Sandoval, and your your show is on every Thursday, and people can go to Virgin Most. Let, let me let me ask the good doctor something. We got yep. one more minute left. Sure. Doctor, is it, it it's is it also a fair statement to say because uh, I know you've been trained by Father Chad Ripperger in some of your uh, your spiritual warfare training. He says that people that you know have some type of diabolical affliction or just even just mental illness, one of the things that they should do is disconnect from uh, from media. I mean, just to, like do a thirty to sixty day disconnect entirely from things that are depressing you. Uh, is that a good piece of advice? Uh, if somebody's connected all day to social media, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. It's good for them to say, you know what? Let me just take some time out and disconnect. Absolutely, because every time we're looking at media, we're just getting information from other people. We're not getting information from God necessarily. We forget that God is wanting to speak to us, and all that is just causing chaos and noise. And so we got to get rid of that. we got to disconnect, and we got to go into silence, not quiet mode. Silent mode. Silent mode is where we're actively listening for the voice of God. I would recommend that's part of what I did. I mean, during Lent, I, uh, my listeners know, I stopped watching TV during all of Lent. Wow. And it was probably the most peaceful time I've had in my life. Awesome. I was reading holy books. And the only thing I looked on media-wise was Virgin Most Powerful Radio to listen to your <laughs> talks, literally. I mean, I was listening to that, and I, and I was listening to anything Catholic that I knew was going to bring me closer to Christ. Not Amen. Catholic stuff. People want to change. You know, sometimes people say, oh, we need a new paradigm. We need to change the church. No, Jesus is the last paradigm. When I started to listen to that and getting rid of the noise of the world, the peace that I started to find was I didn't need any of that to feel fulfilled. I only needed Christ, and I started to feeling much more peaceful. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. And that's really what drove me as I was doing Lent, and I was doing that during Lent. That's what drove me to want to do this Holy Hour Challenge, awesome. where I said, I want to keep that going. I want to get even more peace. How can I find that? And the only place I'm going to find that is truly in the scriptures and through Christ. And Dr. Amen. Sandoval, your show, you can actually listen every Thursday right after the Terry and Jesse show. They can find a podcast also on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Dr. Sandoval, I appreciate you calling in and uh, looking Anytime. forward to more time with you. Absolutely. And, yeah, thanks again, Jess. Well, right, two last. God bless you, doctor. Two more things St. Thomas says. Treat yourself with something, a small treat will make you feel better. And point number five, your friend's compassion. Let your friends show you compassion and empathy. That way you're able to blow off a little bit of steam and listen to their advice. Terry, take it away. Up next, the Bible with the barbers. I look like I'm going to be babysitting because I see my grandson outside the studio. So Mary Barber's on it. But, uh, the Bible with the barbers. Hope you can stay with us. If you can't, go ahead and get our free app. And you can listen to it on a podcast on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? State of grace. Don't live in the state of mortal sin. Flee this corrupt generation, as St. Peter says. Amen. Turn your life over to Christ. God love you.